This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We get it. Distractions happen. That's why we designed the fully electric, full-sized Volvo EX90 with the latest technology to keep you and those around you safe. Its two-sensor driver understanding system is designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Reserve your Volvo EX90 today. Learn more at volvocars.com US. Hello, everyone. This is the EDH RecCast, but we're doing a slightly different spin on it. This isn't just the EDH RecCast. We're now in what we are calling the EDH Rec Room. The usual show takes a lot of post-production work, and sometimes we want to get things out just a smidge faster, especially if something is happening out there in the magic world. So this is just a slight variation on the podcast where we're going to be discussing some interesting topics a little bit more, maybe casually, um, possibly a bit more abstractly. Um, And in this particular show, what we wanted to talk about are the companions. I am, of course, joined by Matt and Dana. You won't see us on camera for these, but we will make sure that on the YouTubes there are still card images so that you can follow along online. But really, there's just so much happening in the Ikoria set that we wanted to do this particular segment as a separate show. Um, And since the topic is also a little controversial, we figured it was perfect for a different style of discussion. So that's why we have here the rec room. Matt, Dana, how are you guys doing today? Doing wonderful today. Yeah, doing pretty good. Awesome stuff. We are talking about the companions from Ikoria Layer of Behemoths. There are 10 of them within hybrid colors that can be outside of the deck as an extra commander i don't know we're a little bit behind on actually getting to this discussion but we didn't want to be even further behind in actually putting them into the podcast proper so i guess just up front to really start this discussion again everything's a bit more casual no formal introduction stuff like this what are you guys actual impressions about companions just so we can get this conversational ball rolling well, first, I think we need to explain what companion is for people that's, who that's maybe fair. aren't in the loop. Um, so, this companion, is what happens when I take the structure away from the podcast. My apologies. <laughs> this, this, this is this is why you're so organized, and this is why Dane and I don't make show notes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so companion basically is an ability that uh, it, it, the the rules text on it on every card says if this card is your chosen companion, you may cast it once from outside the game. So essentially, it's kind of a pseudo sideboard card when it comes to commander. Uh, even though there aren't any sideboards in Commander. So it's it's kind of an outside the game zone where, you know, we have the command zone that we're used to. The companion zone basically is if the companion clause on every specific card is met, 
then you put it in a a separate zone called the companion zone where you can actually cast it just once per game out of the companion zone and then from the rest of the time on forward it's just treated as a normal card it'll go to the graveyard or get exiled uh, you can't recast it if it is exiled you can only cast it from mm -hmm. the, the companion zone just once and now what happens if it gets shuffled if your graveyard gets shuffled back into your library while the companion card is in that graveyard then it just goes back into the library it's treated just like a regular regular yeah. creature card from there so it's it the companion basically is a command zone that only functions once now i knew that i just wanted to make wanted to sure, give you a yeah, chance sure, to explain yeah. it to our <laughs> listeners sure and these do have a very significant deck building restriction um and also this is the thing that i did not know initially when the rules for these came out um, first of all, I didn't know that they would be allowed in Commander, but second of all, I didn't realize that they would count your Commander within their restrictions. So if they do have a restriction like, oh, you can only include cards in your deck that have an activated ability, or you can only include cards in your deck with an even converted mana cost, um, then that does include your Commander within those restrictions for this to be allowed to be your companion. So that's um, an important yep. thing there. Are, are you guys giving this a thumbs up, a thumbs down? Before we actually take a look at any of these, what are your thoughts about this as a concept in edh i think i would like it a little better if i didn't feel the implementation was kind of kludgy mm -hmm. i think having this card that exists in your sideboard in one format and in this nether space of the companion <laughs> zone ish in another is not terribly elegant i think they probably could have just had it exist in your in the command zone since that exists in other formats as well and let you play it from there and maybe i would like it better if that was the case I just feel like the implementation is kind of inelegant and that just kind of sets me off wrong. You know, it kind of is like mm -hmm. this, it's like biting down on a piece of metal. It gives me a, just an uncomfortable kind of feeling in my spine. Even just um, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but beyond that, like if I can get past the fact that it feels poorly implemented, um, I'm perfectly fine with trying different weird things like this. Matt? So I'm not a fan of Companion. I think that some of the clauses are too easy, and I think some of them are too hard. And I understand why they did it. They kind of wanted to infuse a little bit of the spirit of Commander into 60-card formats. That's kind of what the the general response from WotC has been. The only problem is when they, they try to add a Commander-esque uh, mechanic to 60-card formats, I don't think with Companion they really weighed how that would impact Commander itself. And as we can see, two cards already you, you can't play because of either oh, right. the clauses or whatever. So it, I, I, I'm not a fan overall of Companion. It's another zone you have to worry about. It's going to be too easy for some decks to, to play a Companion, and other decks it's going to be near impossible. So I, yeah. it, it's, it's unfair. It's unbalanced, I think. I think that was probably the most... The, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm completely here with you. This is one of the mechanics that actually has me the most frustrated with Ikoria, which is saying something because mutate is difficult for my brain and keyword counters are so fiddly <laughs> that it really frustrates me. Yeah. It really feels like a set that is just like, hey, we could do stuff on Arena, but it is a lot harder to do in paper. And I know that R&D yeah. tests in paper, but this still feels like it, we're, we're going really far into the stuff that other card games seem to do and have probably implemented a little bit better. Like Mutate, for example, reminds me a lot of Pokemon. I um, mean, I feel like Pokemon probably did a little bit better. Um, and Companion, I, I like Sam Black's article on this one where he said that it was the worst mechanic for the health of magic since Phyrexian mana. <laughs> um, and my problem for, <laughs> for Companion is not within Commander. My problem is really that 
like, I don't know, the, the Yo Dog, we heard you liked EDH, so we put EDH into the non-EDH formats approach, I find is a little bit stressful. I don't yeah. like what this will do to 60-card formats, especially the older ones. Um, this is just kind of weird. But also, like, this is the the tiniest sliver of design space out of any mechanic that I've ever seen Watsi attempt to to do because there are so few things that you can even do with this type. Like, because the deck building restrictions have to be like properly restrictive to make this an actual cost but they also have to be restrictive enough that it is immediately obvious to your opponent if any card in your deck has broken that rule so there yeah. really are only like 10 possible designs that they can even make using this mechanic um which is kind of what led to you know one of them needing to be immediately banned right out the gate lutri the spell chaser as soon as it was announced we knew that it was banned because unique cards is one of the only deck building restrictions that you can even think of. But the, yeah. I haven't even gotten to my other problem with it is that I think this, Dana, just like you said, this is confusing to tell new players that outside the game cards don't work, but that these do. I get why it's less interesting to have a sideboard stuff that lets, for example, your Karn Planeswalker go and find your Mycosynth Lattice from outside the game, because that opens things up rather than a companion, which does definitionally restrict, and restrictions can be really fun. But that distinction is still really confusing to teach new players, and as someone who likes to teach new players a game, having one mental hurdle after another with stuff like this in the set, it just feels a little bit weird um, to put Commander into other formats and to also have a strange rules break distinction thing here in this one i just the implementation See, just like you said the, Dana, is very shaky the rules break isn't as far as like cards from outside the 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 deck and the game kind of breaking a rules for commander that one i think is a little easier to explain it's basically you can explain it as it's a second commander you can only cast once basically there are ways i think that we can justify not justify it but explain it to newer players but just it the fact that for people who are established who know okay, well, this is an outside-the-game card that becomes in the game and it battles with kind of a wishboard type of concept. I think it's a bigger problem for for established players like us to wrap our heads around because we know all the rules that don't exist with Karn, for example, where you can wish for outside-the-game cards. But for newer players, if you can just keep it as it's just a, a second commander, you only cast once as long as it meets these conditions, I think that's a little easier to do. My biggest issue with the, with the companion clauses, though, is in 60-card formats where it was designed, how are you supposed to prove you, you, know, you, you are satisfying this if a card doesn't come up? Like it, Especially for tournament magic, companion, I think, becomes such a headache for judges. And then for players, like it, it puts a lot of trust and people who are trying to game the system. I'm not I'm not bothered by that because again, like these restrictions, they have to be so restrictive that it is immediately obvious if something is broken that. Like and also like when we present a 100 card deck that we allege a singleton, we're not going through everyone's library to verify, oh, you don't have two copies of a soul ring or something like that. It becomes obvious as soon as someone casts the second soul ring that they've broken the restriction. I think that there are easily folks that might miss if a card accidentally does not break, uh, does not follow the restriction of their companion. I think that that is more likely than people trying to take advantage of it. Um, so that is like certainly an awkward bit there. But these are so restrictive right. that it will become immediately obvious if one of them is broken. Like if you draw an odd converted mana cost card in your deck that has the companion with only even converted mana costs, like what are you going to do? Cast that spell? Like your opponent will immediately know that that's not going to work and that will be... Like, that's not going to fly. So I'm not worried about that front. I am more worried about... I mean, if anything, I'm more worried about the fact that this creates too much similitude within games. And that's what makes me so worried about it for other formats, especially something like Vintage or Legacy, 
you you don't want similitude in in within game to game you don't want everything to play out exactly the same way that's one of the things that makes a card game like this so much fun so that it also kind of kind of bugs me like that's the reason that magic isn't dual masters for example dual masters had the ability to never be mana screwed hearthstone also has that ability but that means that the game's tend to have exactly the same style of pacing. And that is something that makes them appreciably different from magic in a way that makes me appreciate magic even more because that variance can cause so many wild swings within a game. And that matters to me a whole lot. And the the thing that bugs me about companions is that they eat away a little bit at that. But we, we've just been talk, talking abstractly about the companions. Maybe we should actually talk about the companions themselves since we just sort of talked in circles around them. We addressed the first one, Lutri the Spell Chaser, the three mana, three two elemental otter, which was my nickname in college. It is a companion that says each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name. So the same thing as commander, basically. Um, it has flash and when it enters the battlefield, you cast it, you copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. We all agree that this is banned. We know that we are behind on this news uh, getting to it, but uh, th this needs to be banned because there is no reason not to play it. Um, are you guys sad about this? Do you wish that they I mean, had changed it so that you could play it? Uh, I don't know where yet. Every, every deck running red and blue getting a free dual caster mage yeah. sitting there in the command zone essentially to cast once a game, it seems ridiculous, so it had to be banned, and I guess people were upset that they couldn't play it. That otter, I don't necessarily get that. <laughs> it's an otter, whatever, but people were mad about that, so I, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the the emotional it had to get banned, yeah the emotional response of being sad about playing not being able to play the otter like I get it but the rational response is what Dana said like if you take away the creature type and the art from this and just look at it as a card um, it is absolutely busted it, it needs to be banned because it it essentially is a free card and it's going to, it I could see it warping some decks like if you're only playing you know Simic but you have been kind of tinkering around with playing you know, teamer colors and adding red, for example, you can do that. And this becomes free and it rewards you for adding the extra color or doing it to a gruel deck and et cetera. So yes, it, it's going to warp the format. It's good. It's banned. I, I'm, I'm sorry that the otter was banned before you got to play with it, but there are other otters in this set that you can play with. Well, and if it was going to get banned, that was exactly the correct time for it to happen right out yeah. the gate so that people don't yep. invest in it. And yeah, exactly. But we're we're all on board with this one. This one needs to because it doesn't have a restriction. It is literally free. And that type of thing is not the kind of thing that you want infiltrating EDH. So the bans do not always need to be about the power level, but really about like what they cause to impact the format in different ways. Um, and this is one of the things that we would not like seeing. All right. So moving on, then there is actually another pseudo band uh, companion. Um, Although you can play it in the command zone, which is where I want to play it. This one's Yorion Sky Nomad. So this is three and then Azorius Hybrid, Azorius Hybrid. Five mana total for a bird serpent. It's a four or five. Uh, the companion clause is that your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. So that literally cannot happen in Commander because you can't play a 120 card deck. Um, but... As a actual card, it is pretty cool because it has flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control, and then you return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. I don't know about you guys, but I love this one. Um, it's, I mean, it's Brago, but on ETB instead of on attack, I guess. Um, it's fine. It it's gonna look like every Brago deck, and maybe we need a different variant on Brago. Um, I don't think it's that exciting, but if that's your jam. It gives you another way to do it. Oh, this is my jam. 
Yeah, I'm 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 with you, Dana. It's I mean, I'm sure your your co-host at CMDR Central Max will love this card because it's just gonna be another thing <laughs> to flicker. He'll put it in his Brago deck. Yeah, for he'll sure. put it in the Brago deck. Um I mean flicker decks, I mean there there's so many different flickering decks and different commanders, but a, a majority of the 99 kind of plays out the same. And I, I think this is gonna be fine. Having it not being able to be played as your companion, I I mean this seems like a very, very powerful effect to kind of have for free as an extra card. So I'm fine with it not also being a, uh, a companion eligible thing for Commander. I, I see. I actually might build this one because um, I, I love sure. it as a, a as, as a commander because you can combine it with effects like Flicker Wisp or Restoration Angel to just repeatedly bounce the stuff on your board. And people basically just can't interact with your stuff ever again because you were so repeatedly flickering things every turn. And the end step rider here instead of the immediate thing means that it's a little bit more difficult to go infinite. I mean, there's always infinite blink stuff that people can pull off with like a you know, Deadeye Navigator Palancron combination. But this isn't an inherent combo right out of the command zone if you don't want it to be and the thing that i also appreciate about it is that a deck like brago or like rune they can blink things once per turn um excuse me once per round like brago can do it with his attack rune can do it with the tap ability and you can untap him but it still takes a couple of extra hoops to get there the thing that's nice with yorion is that you actually can if you engineer this using a restoration angel to flicker this and then stuff comes back and then that happens every turn every round you can build up a lot more etb triggers that way than the other two blink uh the famous blink commanders and that's what i like about it like if you're blinking a battle sphere every turn in a round or if you're blinking like an urza every turn in a round that builds up a lot faster and i think can build to a very respectably lethal board state instead of just being a total drag like the non-combo brago decks uh, sometimes risk calling into so i'm totally here for it um, it also stacks with brago and, and mm -hmm. brago stacks with it so like you can run brago in your yorian deck and run yorian in your brago deck and have those things work independent of one another which is kind of nice too yeah uh but now we actually want to talk about the ones as companions, um, and I kind of vaguely ordered these by what I think that they'll show up in popularity. Um, heads up, there will be a section on EDH Rec for the uh, companion page to see when decks are being built with companions. It is still a little bit in process at the time that we're currently recording this. Um, what do you guys think of Gigantha the Wellspring? So Gigantha the Wellspring is the elemental elk for five mana. It's four and gruel. Um, and basically, you can tap it to add Wooburg to your mana pool, and that mana can't be used to pay generic mana costs. Um, the companion clause here <clears throat> is no card in your starting deck um, may have more than one of the same mana cost, excuse me, same mana symbol in its mana cost. So you can't, you know, run a true conviction with triple white or something with, you know, trip blue or something in it. It has to be no more than one of each mana symbol. Um, what do I think of it? I think... If you are playing a five-color deck and you can meet those requirements, which seem much easier than it, it, it winds up being much easier on paper than it sounds like it would be, um, I think you run it. It's a really nice, basically, mana rock, or excuse me, mana dork that sits there, castable once a game, that makes you every color you need. Yeah, this one's really easy. Like when we look through five color commanders, we see so few duplicate mana costs um, on the page for Golos or uh, Niv-Mizzet Reborn, uh, stuff like that. Um, I mean, some commanders like Joda, uh, they do like Omniscience, which has too many blue symbols to meet this. Um, or some tribal decks really enjoy playing stuff like Lurking Predators or Kindred Discovery or something like that. And this card is like hardcore useless in Morophon. <laughs> um, but this is... I, it, really easy it will not shock me to see 
many five color decks running this one because it is almost trivial as a an actual deck building cost given that so many five color decks are just already meeting this requirement sometimes by accident now my question becomes does this count hybrid mana in the mana cost so if you have like a hybrid gruel and a hybrid is it for example i don't know any cards that do that but would that count as two red and you can't play this as your com- as your commander uh Rules stumped in him. Stumped him. Got rules it. in Ikoria are so confusing that I have they don't no idea. they don't matter. Yeah, this is this is very hard. I, I would guess they don't count, given the fact that we're, when we're looking at things like um, what was the demon that cares about different CMCs, but it cares about the mana symbols. Right. In the sure. in the case of that one, hybrid things don't count as being one of the same. So I would guess, at least based on that precedent, a, a hybrid gruel doesn't count as a red or a green. Gotcha. Yeah. And and Dana, I think you pulled up a little bit of things here. Like the slivers, for example, are really popular five colors. And there are a ton, 109 legal, legal slivers, it looks like. And only three of them have double mana. Uh, yeah, and, and of those two, one is Plague Sliver, which you would, which is literally the one you would never run because right. it makes all your slivers worse. The other two are Pulmonic and te- uh, Telekinetic Sliver, which I've never seen anyone cast either of those two in right. any of the hundreds of games I've played against sliver decks. So... You know, obviously there's, like you mentioned, working predators or things like that that might have double symbols. But, you know, if you're playing five color slivers, none of your sliver creatures, at least, are contributing to the double mana cost. Well, if you're playing five color slivers, you also probably don't need any more help. Maybe not, (laughs) right. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. But I looked at my, um, I've got a five-color Kenrith deck and granted it's you know somewhat restricted because it's an exalted deck so i'm probably running less things than the average person by running a five color deck but just going through that deck right now i only had five cards with with duplicate mana symbols in the entire deck and they were all things that were relatively easy to replace um you know austere command being a good card but like i can very easily turn that into a merciless eviction if i wanted to i could turn the great henge as good as it is like i could just run a mana rock or run a life crafters bestiary or something it's it's relatively easy, even if your deck is not, you know, getting there. And having 94 of the cards already qualify 
makes those are some pretty minimal changes to have to make yeah so the next companion that we think will be the most popular is kahira the orphan guard three mana three two cat beast that says all the creatures in your starting deck need to be cats elementals nightmares dinosaurs or beasts has vigilance and it gives your other uh, creatures of those types a plus one and vigilance while it's in play um this goes into a Rabo decks <laughs> i don't know what else to tell you yeah, the, the, a Rabo gets a free 101st card. Like that, that's free. A, a no-brainer. And it, it's it's Lutri quality of just free card. But it's only for a Rabo, so I understand why why Kahir is a little a little more limited, won't be as popular. But even then, like all of these different creature types, the fact that it's the creature cards is what you care about. So you can have cards that make other creature types as long as it's not a creature card. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is going to be a very, very powerful commander, especially for, you know, your dinosaur tribal, which is going to get another boost with this set coming out. Uh, and I mean, it's just, it gives vigilance, which I think is one of the more underrated mechanics for commander, because it's very good to let you be offensive and defensive. It's it's a pretty good card. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be quite a few beast decks that play this too. So yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to look at the eligible commanders for it. I, I don't know that you even play this as a commander because it's so easy to just do a Rabo cat tribal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go into a Gishath deck, I suppose, because of the dinosaurs. But Gishath really relies on upon relies upon a lot of humans to um, to actually supplement what the dinosaurs are doing. Um, maybe if you're playing something like a Zakama deck where it doesn't have any other creatures aside from the Zakama, then this could be an extra free card too if you want. But really, this is straight up for a Rabo. It's an absolute just complete certain there um the next most popular that we're predicting is going to be obosh the prey piercer matt you want to tell us about that one so obosh the prey piercer is three and two uh rectos colored hybrid mana so black and a red for a three five hellion horror so the companion clause is your starting deck contains only cards with odd converted mana costs and land cards and then if a source you control would at, with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to the permanent or player instead. So this one seems pretty easy to kind of maneuver around just because everything, if you only have to have odd converted mana costs, you pretty much know right away if a card can fit or not. It's not tied to any theme. It's not tied to any card type. So to me, this probably is going to be one of the easier ones to to address as well. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of commanders that this can be interesting with. Like, this makes Corvold even more powerful than it is. Uh, Most likely, I would suspect that Graven, Predator Captain, um, becomes the most popular commander for this as a companion. Um, But plenty of commanders that this could fit the bill for are just kind of like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, Anja Falconrath or Lord Windgrace or something um, probably just don't really need it. uh, Zergo maybe might be kind of interesting, but you are sacrificing a lot when you can't play boots in a lot of these decks. So I have a Graven deck, but I do not want to sacrifice those things. Like two mana mana rocks are matter a lot to me. So a, a lot of these feel like the epic spell series from from Kamigawa. And for those that don't know, because that was a long time ago and there's only five of the cards, epic was a keyword in the Kamigawa block, uh, Saviors of Kamigawa actually. Um, on five different spells, one in each color, that said, for the rest of the game, you can't play spells, and at the beginning of each upkeep, copy this spell, except for its epic ability. So you'd ca- you'd cast a spell, we'll use Enduring Ideal, for example, that says, search your library for an enchantment card, and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So it kind of does a an Academy Rector thing. But then you can't cast spells, except for every turn, that, that Enduring Ideal then goes off again. 
Um, so they're really powerful effects. The problem was the downside was so huge, they just don't see much play at all in, in really any format, mm-hmm. um, unless you're specifically like trying to do some kind of a you know weird corner case thing that you've decided you're going to force. A lot of these really feel that way, and I think Obash is the first um, one that we're talking about here that kind of falls into that. Yes, you could make your deck run entirely things with odd converted mana costs. Is it worth it to have a one-time damage doubler that people can see coming, and that's going to cost you five mana to bring into play in addition to whatever you have going? Like, you're not going to run it as a, okay, I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to cast a, you know, giant Earthquake. The amount of mana that's going to take is really, really, really prohibitive. People will see it coming. So I, I feel like this is the point where we get at where the, de- the the epic clause is kind of in effect, where like the hoops you have to jump through aren't worth what it does as a companion. See, I, I don't mind it, actually, because I think you can stack this with a bunch of Punisher effects like Painful Quandary and Zozu the Punisher and then drop this towards the end of the game after you've kind of set up, and then it's just going to clean house. Like The fact that they're going to take tan damage or discard a card just to answer this like it i think this is something that you set up for and i i don't think the restrictions on this one are too terrible yes there are some decks that suffer well, but, but there there's others that matt painful quandary is life loss though um i that's mean i think true. zozu i think that's a three mana card but like so many of the punisher effects like mana barbs are even converted mana cost so even within that idea like uh, the punisher style is missing out on a lot of staples to try and run this thing i do think that folks will enjoy uh being able to build around this one but you are sacrificing a lot uh with this and and that's why i'm still just not entirely sure also this is a little bit stupid with heartless hit at sugu um because that's <laughs> gonna deal lethal to everyone i guess um yeah it, it, not as horrible to build around but you are making some significant sacrifices here um up next we're going to talk about karuga the macro sage five mana five four in simic colors dinosaur hippo the companion clause is that your deck contains only cards with a converted mana cost three or greater and of course land cards and when it enters the battlefield you draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater so what do you guys think about skipping your first two turns in order to use this as your companion I am excited to play against any deck that wants to run as a companion. <laughs> I, I, am, I am pumped to have you give up every good removal spell, every good counter spell, every good ramp spell, um, Heroic every good small draw spell. Cyclonic Rift, Boots Absolutely. I hope you, I, I hope that you give that all up so you can have a really good draw spell on turn seven. <laughs> uh, Go for it. There are a lot of commanders that can abuse this pretty well, though. Like Rune, for example, would be very, very happy to see this and can use a lot of three mana creatures to help uh, supplement the removal and the ramp that and the, and the draw that you might be missing from some of those. Um, but man, not playing Cyclonic Rift is a pretty big thing. Not playing Boots feels bad. Not playing Soul Ring. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, again, like all the removal spells you're going to give up, you know, your your path to exile and ruin, you're giving up um, return to dust, or not return to dust, um, sorts of plowshares. There's so much stuff you have to give up, I just don't think it's worth it for that. I mean, rune even is maybe the best case, because then you can mm-hmm. blink it and get return, returned, you know, repeated effects out of it, but even then I just, I, I, I'm, I'm not buying the fact that it's going to be mathematically worth it. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's also the thing that you really have to organize these companions around. It's not just that you want a card that is free. You want that card to synergize with something else that your deck is doing, which is yeah. why I think that Ruin is going to be the most popular one for uh, Karuga to show up in. It still has a cost, um, but Ruin can really take advantage of that ability. Um, so that could make that cost worth it compared to some of the other ones that we have. Um, Man, up next is basically the opposite of Karuga. This one's Loris of the Dream Den, the three mana, three, two cat nightmare. Uh, the restriction is that each permanent card in your starting deck has a converted mana cost of two or less as lifelink. And during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. Oh my goodness, I don't like this card. Not in the context of Commander. There's only like two commanders that can even play this. That's Eile and Karlov because you, you have to have the converted mana cost of two restriction on your commander as well. But this one scares me for legacy and vintage. Yeah, I could absolutely see this causing a ton of problems in older formats for sure. Well, one thing I will point out here though, Joey mentioned there's only two commanders that can play it right now, which is Eile and Karlov. Um, one of the things we've seen floated in the past as a you know rule change people have kind of debated wanting to have put in place to have the hybrid mana rule change, which would allow this to be ran in a deck that just runs white or black, not one that runs both. And at that point, it becomes illegal in 27 different decks. I mean, great. <laughs> I don't know. This, so, I, I'm, I, I don't mean that in a good way. I'm just like pointing yeah. out like when people talk about how little the hybrid mana changes, that radically changes this card. I think the best use for this one is probably actually as a a rat calling deck or something not as a companion though i just can't see an eile or karlov deck really wanting to make that restriction worth it um, but as a rat calling deck it could be kind of interesting if you are using it as a companion another instinct might be to use shadowborn apostles but don't do that because they need big mana cost demons this is better as a commander but i'm still kind of like eh. and really i'm scared of what it will do to older formats um, this is the one that makes me really like I don't know. This feels like the it will have a Lutri problem, but for other people. Um, and that's kind of why I'm just like, why did they make this mechanic? Uh, all right. Up next, we've got Garuda. Garuda, Doom of the Depths, is four and Demir Demir, six mana for a 6-6. Six, six. The companion clause here, your starting deck contains only cards with an even converted mana cost. And when Garuda enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. And this is also a demon kraken, which may be relevant in some decks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my first thought when I saw this was maybe playing it in like a Lazav Dumir Mastermind deck. But I mean, he just likes consuming aberration and psychic corrosion and wheel effects too much. Um, or maybe Marchesa. But she really enjoys Unspeakable Symbol. Like, it, it just, uh, it, it kind of... Like, these are real restrictions if you're going to try and use these as companions. And I think that in some cases, the commander's almost signature cards are the type of thing that you would have to be sacrificing to get companion effects like this. So I'm not sure that I'm really into it. It also kind of hurts as one of the 99, the fact that it has black, because most people that are, like, doing big sea monster decks, those decks tend to not be running black. So even as part of the 99 it kind of winds up being off-color for people just for flavor reasons who are building that sea creature beatdown deck. Yeah. I, you could also maybe blink and reanimate it a little bit, but like yeah. the decks that care about that have better effects than this, so I don't see it working as a companion in the 99 or as a commander. Um, so, yeah. We're, we're Like we said before, we were sort of organizing them by popularity, and this one I think is going to be near uh, the lowest. But, uh, hey, Matt, what do you think of Umori? Because this is my pick for the lowest companion. 
So Mori is two in Hybrid Golgari, Hybrid Golgari for a 4-5 uh, Legendary Ooze. And the Companion Clause on this one is each non-land card in your starting deck shares a card type. And then as Mori enters the battlefield, you choose a card type, probably the one that you're picking with Companion. <laughs> and then spells you cast of the chosen type cost one generic mana less to cast. I mean... Uh- I don't want to do an oops all creatures built in Kulkari. Uh, that sounds like it'd be sacrificing far, far too much uh, value to do this. I and, and, and as a commander too, I'm also just kind of like not really here for it. Um, if you wanted to try doing something, like inevitably this is going to be just all creatures unless you choose commanders that are multiple types. Like a Reaper King, you could try and do an all artifacts deck or Windgrace for an all Planeswalkers deck or Farika for an all enchantments deck. But all of those sound not great funny like for the the deck building restriction to see if you can do it but still not really worth it well and and not only is that restriction really really challenging the upside isn't even something like a karuga where you just draw a grip full of cards Mm -hmm. this just winds up being a you know decent mana rock not even that great of a mana rock like it winds up being what's it's oftentimes going to be a worse gilded lotus yeah, it, it's like a, it's a, it's a, you get a foundry inspector. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not really here for it. This one is going to be my pick for uh, the least popular companion and maybe card of all of the ones we've talked so far. Although maybe the next one that we're talking about, we save this one for last because this one's special. This one might be the least popular in terms of companion, but as a commander, it's pretty darn cool. Matt, do you want to tell us about this one? So Zerta the Dawn Waker is two, or one, excuse me, and two hybrid Boros, so red to white mana for a legendary elemental fox that is a 3-3. The companion clause is each permanent in your starting deck has an activated ability, but then uh, abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two generic mana less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana that would uh, it would cost two less than one mana, and you can pay one and tap it to have target creature can't block this turn. Um, so Boros goes infinite now. Get a Basalt Monolith and go crazy. <laughs> and it's right there for you to cast whenever you need to. You don't even need to find the, the other piece for it. It's there as your companion, if you can do that. I don't know if you can. There are a lot of commanders that have activated abilities. Um, but I, I don't think you would want to. Again, I think this is much better as your commander than it would be as a companion. I think the off the, the trade-offs are too huge. Yeah. As a commander, though, that's really, really interesting. As a commander, it's very interesting. As a companion, like... I don't know, you could put it into Brea, but I mean, Brea likes a lot of her rewards for artifacts that don't necessarily have activated abilities. Uh, you could put it into Zakama, but Zakama really likes the mana doubling enchantments, which don't have activated abilities. Um, you could put it into Akeem, for example, a new uh, Jeskai commander, because that's got an activated ability, but like then you'd lose out on all of the other good synergies with tokens. Like Again, the cost on this one is really, really... Uh, really big maybe Kaikar I guess but even then I feel like Kaikar has some permanence that you want like you, you yeah. lose smothering tithe to right. to play this as your companion and that's a really big cost too um, but as an actual commander yeah this thing's really cool I love that they are willing to do they pushed Boris a little bit this is great with equipment this is great with cycling this is great with Eldrazi Displacer um, I just am a little frustrated I'm not sure if the uh, set review episode will be out by 
um, this time. It most likely will be coming out after, just given the way that things are recording. But I'm frustrated that they gave Boros something cool that can go infinite with a basalt monolith or what have you. Um, and then they did the exact same thing for Keenan Bonder Prodigy, where they're just like, oh, and also Simic can do it too. And it also has... Uh, you know, a direct outlet to let you win the game. Um, so I'm just frustrated that they gave Boros something and then we're like, oh, but also Simic too. Like, you didn't need to let Simic do this too. Like, come on. Yeah, no, that's pretty much exactly how I feel. Yeah. So those were our takes on that. I think that the Firefox is going to end up being one of the more popular ones just because it does something a little bit different for Boros. Um, I think Gigantha will show up in tons of the five-color decks. Kahira, obviously, slam it into your Arabo decks. Um, do you guys have any other final thoughts on companions? If you think that uh, the rules should be changed on them, for example, or ones that you might try, is there anything that we didn't quite get on before we actually close things out? I, I think it's a mechanic that requires a lot of work to design, I would guess, and to balance. And it's a mechanic that's going to require a lot of messing around on the player's ends to try to make work or figure out. And I don't know if it's worth what they had to do to get us these 10 cards that I mm. don't think are going to see that much play. Or the when they, when they do see play, we'll just see play as commanders and just ignoring the mechanic anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there was maybe a lot of effort that went into this that's not going to probably see much payoff. Um, but, you know, I don't have a thought beyond that, I guess. <laughs> Um, no, I the, the companion mechanic itself, I think, is fine in principle, but then just the execution and then some of the payoffs, I'm not really sure, as we've kind of talked about for all of them, is it really worth it to, to address and build around? And I, uh, I think it's a no or kind of around the board. Yeah, I'm not even sure if the execution is my problem with it, because I think they did find some of the stuff that you really do need to make these actually restrictive and also immediately obvious to your opponent if the companion rule is broken. But I don't like the concept. That's my real problem. I think that this is such a thin sliver of design space uh, that it was really kind of dangerous to move into. I don't like putting EDH into other formats. I think that that's one of the things that makes EDH unique. So this is kind of a, a weird and slightly frustrating thing to see. Um, I'm not sure if this juice was worth the squeeze, as they say. Um, at the time that this episode is coming out, uh, I believe that Charlotte, when she was on our stream, a uh, CAG member, she teased that there might be a uh, an announcement coming out around the 20th or so um, for... Uh, just an, like an update from the rules committee, possibly, I think she maybe hinted at a rules change, but I'm not actually sure. Um, and just sort of to close things out, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought might be happening. That discussion might be occurring at the time that this exact episode airs, in fact. Um, so maybe if we can predict what we think might be happening. It might sound us, might make us sound like real smart or something. Um, just if you guys had an idea, do you think that they might be announcing that they will change the way that companions work? Or is there some other rules change that you think might happen or one that you want to see? Uh, just to sort of round out this uh, this more casual episode, I guess. Um, I, it feels too soon to make a casual to make a companion rule change. I don't know what the rule change would be anyway. Maybe they would have them exist in the command zone, but that doesn't seem like the kind of thing they would need to make a special announcement for. I don't know. Um, or they could just ban them as companions, but that seems like the kind of thing they wouldn't want to do, or definitely not do this soon either. So if I were to speculate, if like I feel like if there was just going to be a rule change in general. I feel like the one that would most likely happen would be to move to a unified commander damage oh. rule of some sort, where instead of tracking individual commander damage, you just start tracking total commander damage. So if I would ha if I were to guess on a rule change, it would be that one. Matt, any guesses from you? Uh, if I had to tinfoil hat, I I do think that unified commander damage would be a nice addition. I think it 
doesn't really hurt anything, but it does help some decks that maybe get pushed out. So if there was one rule change that I would support the most, I, I do agree. Unified commander damage probably be one, one at the top of my wish list. Interesting. For me, it's commander dies. Uh, I, I I find that one also very confusing to tell new players um, that like your blood artist isn't going to trigger if the commander goes away. Um, that That's just kind of like I look at my commander Rayhan last of the Obzon, for example, and that says if your commander, if, if one of your creatures dies or goes to the command zone, I'm like, this is really awkward wording. I don't want to see that on a bunch of commanders going forward. It makes it difficult for them to design, uh, to design cards like Alenda in standard formats, which I know that they really want to. Um, that's that's going to be my guess for it. I don't know if there's any way to make an elegant rules change about that, um, how it would be worded, um, but that's that's been my hope for for a while now, I guess. So um, we will see what it actually is on the when the announcement comes out, if there is even a change. Um, we're not entirely sure. That'd be uh, kind of interesting to see. Um, or maybe they will change the way the companions work. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to talk about companions uh, for folks here because we didn't get to them on the actual set reviews. They took up a lot of time there's so much happening in Ikoria that we wanted to give these uh their due time uh listeners we would really like to hear what you think about companions um which ones that you think would make the most interesting companions the most interesting in the 99 and the most interesting in uh the command zone as well like I am actually really digging Yorion for example so it would be really cool to see what people do with these even if they aren't necessarily used for the actual companion stuff or if they are what people can come up with um it'll be interesting to see and of course don't forget that Ediatrek will be having a companion section on uh it's on the website um, so that you can see what folks are doing with these and which ones end up rising to the top in terms of popularity. That is still underway, but it will be coming out. Thanks so much for joining us here in the EDH rec room. Guys, remind folks where they can find you. So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach and hear me on my other podcast, CMDR Central. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDH Retcast on Twitter. And hey, who knows? The next episode might be us talking about whatever change may or may not have happened. Just remember, whatever happens in the rec room stays in the rec room. <laughs>